This is All the Cool Parts number 17 for July 30th, 2010. Everybody, welcome to All the Cool Parts number 17. I'm your host, Anthony Joseph Landman. This week on All the Cool Parts, I am presenting the recording by the great vocal quartet, the Hilliard Ensemble, performing the music of Perotin. This week, I'm going to take you guys on a journey back in time, 800 years, and uh, this was a really long time ago. Uh, This was a time when Genghis Khan was still conquering Asia, the Middle East, and Eastern Europe. Um, It was a time before the first Black Death, the plague that probably killed about a third of the world's population, and uh, you know, just a lot of events that happened after. Periton's time that we think of as a really long time ago. So this is music that is a very, very, very old. Um, in fact, Periton is one of the earliest composers we actually know by name. Uh, and uh, one of the interesting things is the only reason we know Periton's name and Periton's predecessor, Leonin, is because of a music treatise that was written by an English student, an English music student studying music in France around, we think, 1275. So this is a a generation or two after Periton would have died. Uh, Periton was active around 1200. Um, So uh, we really don't know that much about 
peritent and really uh, don't know anything at all about the student other than this treatise that he wrote, which is little more than like student notes uh, taken in class, really. Um, <clears throat> the student, well, we refer to the student as, or I guess <laughs> scholars refer to the student as anonymous four. I have no idea why they attach the number four to his name. I don't really know who to, anonymous one, two, and three are, but anyway, uh, they call him anonymous four. And uh, we know nothing, like I said, of his life or his identity. Uh, what we do have is the musical treatise that he wrote. And in this musical treatise, he describes Perotin as Perotin the Great and, <clears throat> excuse me, and as the best composer of discant, which I'll kind of explain what discant is when we get into the music. Also, very importantly, Anonymous 4 actually names specific pieces that Perotin composed. Uh, so without this information, Perotin's name would have been lost to us forever, probably, you know, 700 years ago. And all of his music would have just simply been attributed to Anonymous, as most music from this time is. Um, so uh, about the music, Perotin, he lived, like I said, lived and worked around the year 1200 in and around Paris and centering on the uh, then under construction Notre Dame Cathedral. Uh, he was really one of the earliest composers of counterpoint. So before this, you would have chant, and that's what would be sung in the church as just a single line of music. And what ended up happening in the late medieval period uh, was that as the spaces got bigger, as these cathedrals got huger and grander and the spaces inside got enormous, uh, they would started having to sort of reinforce the sound of these chants because the spaces were just so big. And what it ended up happening is you would have one singer singing the chant and then you would have a second singer improvising a line with that chant. So the line would usually be a fifth or a fourth lower or higher than the chant line. And it would just be going along exactly with the chant line, just at a lower pitch level. Um, and this was the very beginnings of counterpoint, uh, because what happening, what happened was, um, they just, you know, composers actually started to write these secondary lines down instead of just having a singer improvise them. And then they started writing more elaborate lines and then they started adding additional lines. So they added three lines, then they added four lines and, um, it just, you know, it just developed from there. And, uh, Periton is the earliest composer we know of that actually wrote four voice counterpoint. So counterpoint, uh, using four voices, four separate independent voices of counterpoint. Uh, and I'll play, uh, his two pieces that we know of that are four voice counterpoint, uh, in this show. And I'll point that out when I get to him. Um, it's interesting because, you know, there's a, there's a lot to say about this music because uh, it was totally forgotten after, uh, say, I don't know, 1300, let's say. It was really forgotten until the 20th century. And uh, part of the reason it was forgotten was that composers of later generations of the Renaissance period, 
So you're talking about uh, composers uh, writing music around 1500, 1600. So, uh, you know, composers like Josquin de Pre and uh, Orlando de Lasso and William Byrd and uh, Palestrina and all these kind of people. Um, they saw this music. I think they were aware of this music um, because this music was collected in a giant book called the uh, Magnus Liber, or uh, the Great Book of Organum. And basically it was a huge compendium of sacred pieces to be sung on all the different days of the Catholic calendar, basically. Um, <clears throat> so they would have been aware of this music, but they rejected it because they saw this music as archaic, uh, harsh, unrefined, and uh, many things that Periton did in his music became actual cardinal sins uh, later on in Renaissance counterpoint, uh, such as having these intervals like singers sing in fifths in like parallel motion. So singers singing the same line a fifth apart, moving exactly the same way. This became like one of the cardinal uh, sins really of counterpoint until the 20th century, really until the late, later 20th century. So, I mean, this is something that if you did in, uh, <laughs> in counterpoint class, you know, you'd be, uh, slapped upside the head for doing, uh, so, oh my God, I'm hitting the mic. Uh, so, um, yeah. So this music really, you know, when I heard this music for the first time, uh, I had heard a lot of Renaissance music. I'd been in music school. I'd, I'd you know, studied counterpoint. I've t- taken 16th century counterpoint and 18th century counterpoint. And, uh, then I heard this album of the Hilliard ensemble performing Periton. And I was, <laughs> it wasn't what I was expecting at all. I mean, it was something that was totally foreign. I didn't know music like this existed. And, uh, it's interesting that when something is lost for a, a significant amount of time and then rediscovered how new and fresh it sounds, even though it's ancient, um, so, uh, we'll get into a little bit about Periton's style, uh, when I get into the excerpts and, uh, Periton's overall style is referred to as organum. Um, and, uh, within the organum, he was, like I said, or as Anonymous 4 said, he was the best composer of discant. So let's actually get into the excerpts and I can kind of explain what those terms mean and you can actually hear uh, what they mean. So our first excerpt that we're going to play is from Periton's Viderunt Omnes. Uh, This is one of two examples of organum quadruplum. This is organum in four voice counterpoint and how this works basically is you'll hear the bottom, the very bottom voice singing these long drone tones. And then over these drones will be the upper voices in kind of these lively triple meter rhythms. Um, and how it works with the text is that um, the bottom voice singing the drone, this is actually taken from the actual chant, Viterat Omnis chant. What he's done is he'll take each syllable of of the word from the chant. So, uh, for example, the first word is vidurunt. He'll take this first 
uh, vowel of V E this this sound of E and um, he'll elongate this over many hundreds of seconds so it's almost like taking the chant and then slowing it down to some incredible slow motion while you have all this activity going on top of it um, so the piece will start out V like this and then the drone will continue on that uh, on that note and uh, on that vowel and then the upper voices will continue also on that vowel sound of E but in these lively triple rhythms um, this piece Viteron Omnes was written for Christmas celebrations in 1198 we actually have a record of that and uh, this section I'm going to play you guys is kind of towards the end of the piece and I should mention that a lot of these pieces are very long and they are remarkably long for the time this piece Viteron Omnes is about 13 minutes and uh, especially for the time I mean this is an unbelievably long piece um, for the time uh, this section that I'm going to play you guys uh, like I said it's towards the end of the, the piece and it's really a particularly powerful section um, the uh, I want you guys to listen for this really super cool and very dissonant cadence at the end of the excerpt and uh, this kind of stark dissonance really would have been totally forbidden in later music of the Renaissance and really something like this wouldn't appear again until uh, the late 20th century Our next excerpt comes from Periton's Veni Creator Spiritus, and this is a three-voice piece in conductus style. What this is, it's all in pure discant, so there's no drone underneath, and the text was an existing piece of poetry that uh, wasn't part of the approved church liturgy. So it could be something sacred, which in this case, yes, it could be something secular, so not sacred. Um, and uh, I don't know, it's just a really cool, the, the, basically it's uh, the same music for every stanza. And um, so it'll, 
you know, have the same music uh, varied up a little bit uh, according to whatever the text is saying. And uh, another just cool thing about this excerpt is this small change of mode that's right in the middle of this excerpt. It's really cool. Next excerpt from Alleluia Posui Adwitorium. I don't know what that is. Maybe it's some French form of Latin. I don't know. Um, but anyway, yeah, you throw any kind of French in there and I murder it. Uh, the, it's <laughs> This is organum again. So it's organum triplum or organum in three voices. And uh, at the very end of the excerpt, you're going to hear the pure chant. So this happened a lot in Periton's music, where you get these long sections of organum and then a section of pure chant uh, in the middle or towards the end. And then it would go back to, well, sometimes it would go back to another section of organum. And sometimes Periton would end the piece with the pure chant, which he does here. Maria Virginae, uh, this is another conductus like the Veni Creato Spiritus that we listened to before, um, except this one is lower, I don't know, darker, kind of more solemn in tone. 
And one really kind of unusual feature that I noticed when I was listening to this and making the excerpts is that um, this first section, so this piece is really sectioned off. You just have these sections of text that are sung and then the next section and then the next section and they're really delineated with these silences in between. Uh, So the first section that we hear, this is from kind of the middle of the piece, ends with this solo voice kind of trailing off by itself. And this is totally uh, unique in this piece. It doesn't happen anyplace else and it doesn't happen in anywhere in any of Periton's other music. So I don't know why this solo voice trails off in this particular spot. I'm not sure if it's because of the text, because I couldn't get the text. I don't know what the text is saying. Um, but uh, it's really cool, and it's just really it just really caught my ear, because I was like, uh, wow, you know, that's just really, it's not anywhere else in his music. next excerpt comes from the two-voice conductus, Doom Sigilum, and I just love this one because it's so, uh, you can really hear what's going on. There's only two voices, and uh, it's not a strict organum, so there's no drone underneath. Um, So it's just two voices singing very similar music, but, you know, with their own individual lines. It's very lively and very playful kind of in contrast to a lot of the other music, which sounds very somber and, uh, I don't know, just kind of very spiritual in a somber kind of way. And this is uh, really different. It's uh, uh, really playful, and uh, I just thought it was cool.
The next excerpt comes from Alleluia Nativitas, and uh, this is just a really cool section from around the middle of the piece. The voices in this section are really quite powerful. Uh, Periton has them singing these really short, delineated sections of highly contrapuntal discant, and uh, it's just kind of really short, really punctuated. with these silences in between just kind of one after the other and um, just a, a really cool really powerful effect Next excerpt is really unique among Periton's identified works, his Beata Visera. Uh, all it is is a quiet, it starts out with this very, very quiet drone, uh, and then this sort of otherworldly and really hauntingly beautiful solo line emerges over it. And that's all this piece is, is just one voice on a drone and one high voice singing this uh, melody over it. Um, and really, I want you to imagine, try to imagine what this would have sounded like in medieval France in this giant cavernous space of the Notre Dame Cathedral with very little other noise to interfere. So, I mean, at this time, you got to remember, there's no cars, there's no air conditioners, no airplanes, no engines or motors or industrial production of any kind. So it, you would have just had these two voices with no other, you know, no other ambient noise intruding upon it. And uh, it must have been very awe-inspiring to hear in that space of the Notre Dame Cathedral. Thank you. 
Our next excerpt is going to be from the very middle of the second of Periton's organum quadruplum, or the four-voice organum pieces. Uh, this is from the piece Sederunt Principis, and this was written, and again, we have an actual record of this. This was written for St. Stephen's Day, the celebrations on St. Stephen's Day, December 26th. 1199 for the dedication of a new wing of the still not finished Notre Dame Cathedral and this excerpt like I said comes from the middle of the piece this is over kind of one long drone note and uh, over it these vocal lines are just weaving this constantly weaving in and out of each other and in an almost soaring contrapuntal dance And in our last excerpt for this episode, uh, again, from the Organum Quadruplum, Sederunt Principe, uh, this is the very end of that piece. And it features, just again, really powerful organum, powerful stuff um, in the vein of what came before it, followed by the section that closes out the piece of just the pure chant melody. Thank you. 
And that does it for all the cool parts of number 17. Thank you all again so much for joining us. And uh, I haven't said thanks for a while for all the listeners that continue to listen and make comments on the Facebook page and the web page and send me email. And I, I really appreciate it. If you'd like to send us email, and we encourage you to do that, please send it to allthecoolparts at gmail.com. If you'd like to look at the show notes and go to the website and leave comments there, you can do so at allthecoolparts.blogspot.com. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash anthonylandman. And you can check out my website at anthonyjosephlandman.com. Uh, so thanks everybody for listening and we'll be back next week with another all the cool parts see ya Hey, performers, performing ensembles, and composers. All the Cool Parts podcast wants your music for All the Cool Parts Idol. If you're an emerging artist with a good quality recording and you'd like All the Cool Parts podcast to share it with the world, please email sound files and other details to allthecoolparts at gmail.com. Help me share your music with the world. <laughs>